Welcome to The Remarkables, Grant Thornton's podcast that seeks to uncover stories about remarkable people doing incredible things for their community, bettering the world for future generations and inspiring others to do the same. I'm Rebecca Archer, and today I'm joined by Butchela and Gutawa man Isaiah Daw, founder and CEO of ID Know Yourself, an organisation determined to impact the lives of Aboriginal children in out-of-home care. With a mission to break the cycle of intergenerational trauma and disadvantage, the group aims to create love, hope and belonging so the kids can feel a sense of fulfilment and self-determination in their lives. Welcome, Isaiah. Now to open the episode, I'm going to let you introduce yourself because I think that's the best way to find out exactly who you are and where you're from. Nara Galangorjali, which means hello and good day in my language. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Galagonyin, that means thank you in our lingo, Rebecca, for having me on. And thanks so much for talking about the mission and the work that we do. Um, you said it perfectly. And to introduce myself and where I'm from, uh, I'm a bachelor in Garawa, Saltwater, Murrayman. So the bachelor country is up Harvey Bay, Maribor, Queensland, and Gari, which is the traditional name of Fraser Island. It's Manda Manda country, which means beautiful in our lingo. If you haven't ever been there, Rebecca, I reckon you definitely go there. Um, so there's some phenomenal places. I was actually just on country last week for a big corroboree and, and ceremony, which I'm sure we can talk about a little bit more uh, today. So I was just up there recharging, reconnecting back to culture. But I'm also a Gutawa man, so that's up near the Gulf of Carpentaria. So I'm a Yakamari man, it's my skin name from that country. I feel actually absolutely privileged to be able to say where I'm from because in the nature of the work that we do at ID Know Yourself, uh, and also from my own personal experiences growing up in care, I didn't know where my mom was from. And so I stand proudly today to be actually yeah, confidently say where I'm from. It's, uh, that's what I mean by I feel so privileged because unfortunately I'm one of the lucky kids who, who knows where he's from and, and my identity uh, because many children that we work with in our home care, unfortunately, they don't know where they're, where they're from or who's their mob which is often asked of Aboriginal people to each other. You know, and the two words or two questions are, who's your mob and where are you from? And I didn't really know that um, as a kid. So yeah, I'm proud to know that today. And I'm calling from today in this virtual setting from the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. Now, your slogan, Know Yourself, is about knowing what you're capable of, knowing your worth and what you can achieve in this world. Can you talk a little bit more about that and also the ID aspect of the name, ID Know Yourself? We might start with ID. So, yeah, ID is a double representation. So ID stands for identity, but it's also the initials of my name, Isaiah Dorr. I think a lot of people are quite <laughs> dumbfounded when I say that. You know, some, we've had some people join us this mission for a couple of years and they say, hang on, I'm only just finding out now. So for those who are listening who don't know, yeah, it's, it's, it's double me. And, it, and the reason behind that was because I was briefly saying then I, I grew up in that home care and my story is a shared story of what happens to kids as they grow up in this you know, really challenging environment that we call out of care. And so when I talk about know yourself as well, ID, know yourself, it's about helping our kids know who they are, know what they can achieve and what they're capable of in life. Because from my own experience growing up and what I see with often the time about our kids is that they see life through tunnel vision. And they don't really see what life has to offer and the opportunities that are available to them because they don't really get handed a platform to be heard or they don't really get a platform for opportunity. So 
our whole role is about opening that lens and showing them what is possible and motivating them to show them that it can be anything that they set their mind to be. And, you know, an old saying we say to the kids and when I work with them is that if you can think it in your mind, you can hold it in your hands. And so that high idea of, you know, thinking about what you want to become and manifesting it is so important. Such a beautiful philosophy. I love that. Now, the ID Know Yourself program is broken down into five components, and that is culture, life skills, education, well-being, and advocacy. Can you talk a little bit more about all of those aspects? Yeah, so I think for, as you, as you mentioned, our vision statement for ID Know Yourself, our whole vision for ID Know Yourself is to, is to break the cycle of intergenerational trauma disadvantage for our kids. And the way we do that is by love, hope, and belonging. Um, so every child can have that sense of fulfillment and self-determination in their lives. And when we talk about fulfillment, you know, it's in, it's called the art of fulfillment for a reason. It's different for every single person. And that's the same for our kids. It's different. What I might find, you know, valuable in life might be very different to someone else or even the other kids. And so while we have such a holistic approach to mentoring and so many different components, is because we want to make sure that no kid is left behind and forgotten and that we can really help them advance in all aspects of life. You know, well-being, as you mentioned, you know, so important. I think we've all probably experienced the last couple of years with all the environmental challenges. You know, we had COVID, the bushfires and the, and the floods, and let alone being an Aboriginal kid in this society and also being, you know, in out-of-home care with a lot of trauma um, that the kids being exposed to. So well-being is such a crucial part to our kids reaching that sense of fulfillment in their life. So, you know, we partner, we have partnerships with Headspace and, you know, we have Aboriginal reach out officers and, and psychologists who come into the sessions and run mental health workshops and help empower and, and help our kids heal. And culture does that. And you'll see with most of our outcome areas, they intertwine, like just then, right? I was talking about well-being, but, you know, as an Aboriginal person, knowing where you're from and having that connectedness to the country, being able to take your shoes off on country, and swim in the oceans where your ancestors have been for thousands of years is such a refreshing thing and healing and empowering thing. So and we do that throughout concrete to country cultural camps. At the end of every school term, we take the kids back onto country where they're from, which they most of the time they haven't haven't been on there or never knew about it. So yeah, there's so many different aspects. And another of that I don't, don't think was mentioned was employment. You know, really helping, uh, and that's kind of intertwined with education. You know, helping our kids finish school, but then also, you know, all of those transferable skills that they've learned during that 12 years, you know, finishing school, to then be able to go, all right, you know, what am I passionate about? What do I want to do in life? And that's that other aspect of, you know, feeding into that fulfilment and self-determination. And when you say the kids, what age groups are we looking at here? Yeah, the kids we work with from six years old to 18 years old, we have all of those ages in one group setting. And so a little bit different, and I'll say unorthodox as opposed to many other programs, but we see tremendous value in that because, you know, feeding into our slogan, break the cycle, unfortunately in this, in, in Australia, we've seen forced assimilation and removal for over four generations. And you know, that's what we're talking about, breaking the cycle there. We're making sure that these kids, when they have children of their own someday, that they aren't then removed 
and this cycle just continues on of disadvantage and trauma. So we're actually seeing with the older kids and the younger kids in the same group setting that the older kids are really taking on that responsibility and carrying that baton on and showing these kids through maybe their own learned experiences in life, but also what they learned from us and the mentors that are helping guiding them through their journey to then give back to the next generation and, and support them. And, you know, we've seen a lot of those kids just take that leadership by the hand and, and help support these younger kids in the group settings, getting them to participate into the, the activities that we might be doing, They're, them sharing their own personal journey with another kid and helping them keep strong through what they're going through. And so we don't have to wait, you know, four or five generations to see the kids breaking the cycle now. And so we've got some of these older kids who are 17, 18, who are now starting to become shadow mentors and join us in our team. And I can tell you what, it's the most proud and exciting thing I think we've seen over the last, you know, we've only been three and a half years in operation, but to see these kids become alumni and carry that baton forward just makes this, this incredible journey even more exciting. Isaiah, I wonder if I can ask you to share a little bit about the experience of being in the foster care system. What was that like? What was your experience there? When I was two months old, I was removed from my parents and I grew up in the system until I was 18 years old. I went through many different foster homes as a kid. And, you know, the, the hardest thing was not ever having someone to call family. The hardest thing was never having a, a mum or dad around it was the hard thing was never really having i guess you know really strong consistent father figure um, or mother figure and you know so therefore i didn't really have much love hope or belonging in my life and that can be a really dark and lonely place so let alone you know all the other challenges that come about such as you know racist comments from our caseworkers or or carers and the other kids and not knowing who I was, you know, as I said earlier, not knowing who I was. So I wasn't really strong in myself and to back myself up as well when I was getting bullied from the other kids because, you know, I couldn't spell or read or write my name. I had to do reading recovery because of that. I had to repeat year four. You know, it was really, really tough, a really tough time. You know, I had carers who I'd come home from school and they'd get inches away from my face and they'd say, hey, you're, you're a nobody. That's all right, you're in foster care. And I remember when I was a kid, I, I used to run away with my younger sister and we used to hide from the foster carers all the time. So we would run away from the abuse that we were, were suffering. And, and, you know, fortunately I was placed with my younger sister. Originally I was displaced from all of my siblings. I got to meet my younger sister when I was seven, but for the other siblings I didn't. So me and my younger sister had a really tight relationship. And when we used to run away from these carers, you know, we used to say to each other, it's you and me against the world, because that's all we ever had. And so when we were hiding from these foster carers, that kept us strong. So within all the dark days, I suppose, I try and remember the light as hard as it is and think of the, you know, the strength that we had rather than, you know, the, the tough times. Um, because even though all these things that we were exposed to as kids, it was hard. I wouldn't want, want to experience it ever again. I wouldn't want to hear the things that I heard. At the end of the day, it's made me who I am. And you know, I always believe it's not what you get in life, it's who you become that really matters. And I uh, unfortunately I had to go through this pathway to get to here. And you know, now I'm making sure that these kids don't have the same experiences and that they can have this fulfilling and self-determining life. It's so inspiring to hear that story and to know that 
the negative experiences that you've had, a lot of people would just potentially say, well, okay, that was my lot in life, but you're actually turning it into something so positive for so many other people. I wonder if as you were growing up, did you have anyone to look up to, uh, to role model the kind of behaviour that, that you're demonstrating throughout the world now? I had a few people, you know, that I didn't stay with them for too long, but, you know, there were pockets of kindness that I had uh, of people. I uh, remember one auntie uh, who used to take us in and she was probably and still is one of the most special people I ever could think of. And, you know, her name was Nana, Nana McFeeders. She used to take us in and, yeah, she would just look after us. She would, she would take us in and, and play cards with us. She would give us love and really make sure that, you know, we had some sense of love and care from someone. And it was just the most simplest things. And I cherish those memories I had with her. We used to play Uno and stuff like that. And it was so, so enjoyable. But yeah, she was one because she stood up for us, even though it was tough to our carers at times. And she told us what was right and wrong as well. And that it was not, you know, because of who we are, it was because of them. And it was a re representation of them, not us, which was hard sometimes to differentiate when you're told you're a problem your whole life. So she realized, you know, showed us that we weren't. And then also, you know, I had an Aboriginal elder called Uncle Eric Bell. You know, he, he was awesome. I used to go gardening with him and we stayed at his house for a bit. So, you know, he was another inspiring person who led by example. I've met, you know, so many other incredible elders over that time and obviously reconnecting as well with my family. That was such a really positive thing. And that really set a, uh, an understanding around, you know, kind of the, the, the strength that has been passed down for generation and generation. You know, we've had so many you know, incredible elders who have gone before me who have really set us up to, to be where I am today. I always say, you know, I stand on the shoulders of giants because so many of my ancestors and elders that I've learned, met through family, have helped carry this baton forward. And that's why I believe I'm able to do the work that I do today. Because, you know, when I was growing up in care, all these challenges I was experiencing, I never knew where it really come from, um, that desire to just keep persevering. And that resilience that was built, it wasn't just, you know, something I learned, it was, I had to go through it. And uh, when I heard about my elders and what they had experienced, I knew that that was just something that was ingrained in my DNA. It's just amazing. And I believe on top of all of the, all the goals that you kick in your daily life in what you're doing, you were also elected as a member of the 2017 National Indigenous Youth Parliament and awarded the most positive influencer of the group. As you have this position where you can influence change, what would you like to see done differently in the foster care system for Indigenous children? And can you talk a little bit about why? Yeah, I think a lot of that needs to happen is really hearing the kids' voices and understanding what their needs are rather than what the organisation or the government's needs are and, you know, support that they think that kids needs. I think really thinking and hearing what the kids want and making decisions are based on that. And, you know, it's important to have all these different outcome areas, but ultimately it's got to be reviewed and seen, is it actually serving what the kids want, not just what you know, other people want of the kids, adults want of these children. Because, you know, I think we've had a lot of reflective sessions around what can we do better and every time we always include the kids and make sure that we're hearing what they want to do and 
when we make a decision, we you know inform them and get their feedback. So I think that needs to happen a lot, not only within the carers' homes, like where the kids live, but also within the departments and the organisations that work to support the kids. Um, I always feel, you know, the best way to really understand if you're making a difference is ask the kids, you know, what do you need to change? What do we need to do better in? And always getting that constant feedback has been really valuable for us as an organisation. Do you think we need to also extend support for kids in care and potentially look at screening or better screening and training for workers in this sector? There does need to be a lot of cultural awareness training for, for carers. And, and also on top of that, I think like trauma awareness. And, you know, that's so important you know, to really understand what the kids' responses are to their triggers. You know, if it's flight, fight or freeze and, you know, how to, I guess, de-escalate a really emotionally heightened situation and, you know, how do we build the confidence with our carers and the supporters in their networks and how do you create better consistency so these kids know with certainty who's in their life who's not coming in and out. And so we're not breaking all these, you know, trusting relationships and, you know, that long term down the track as these kids become adults, you know, really impacts their, their livelihood. Isaiah, you are positively changing so many lives of so many young people who are in care. I'm wondering if there have been any particular moments that have really stuck with you from the work that you do. There are so many, right? Like I've had, you know, there's been hundreds of sessions we've run that I've been to with kids. I would probably point out one, and that's because I really think it's what the kids, and this is from the, you know, highlighting the kids' voice in this is, and this was never forced upon by anyone, and and it kind of was so spontaneous, and we were all kind of shocked and, like, also so happy to hear it, was one session... We had so many different activities. I think there was three activities going at once. And uh, I think some people were doing some art, um, some Aboriginal art. Some people were in the kitchen cooking. And then others were playing like soccer and sport. There was a lot happening. And then we had one new girl start. And I think she was around nine, 10 years old. And, you know, this was kind of mid-session. This girl just kind of stands up and really puts volume to her voice and says, hang on is this a program for kids who don't live with their parents? And everyone just kind of went silent. It was like you could hear a pin drop. And then she kind of looked at me and I thought, all right, I'm going to address this. And so I said, you know what? Yes, it is a a place where a lot of kids come who who don't live with their parents. And then kind of one of the other younger boys had jumped in. He was about 15 at the time. And he had said, yeah, 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 we, we may not be blood-related here, but we're family in here. And he pointed at his heart and he smiled at the young girl and the young, the young girl smiled back at him. And then everyone just went back to normal. And I thought at that moment and just reflecting, you know, after the session with the rest of the team, I was thinking, far out, you know, that's what it's all about is, you know, we not, may not be blood-related to these kids, but we're family in our heart and... It's, we've become their chosen family, which is the most incredible feeling to be able to hear that because, you know, we're filling a gap, which is, you know, one of the most crucial things for our kids is to, you know, feel a sense of belonging somewhere and feel a part of a family because often the time that's what they've been taken away from is their parents and they don't really have that sense of love or belonging in their lives. So 
yeah, that was really special. And I'll cherish that amongst many other things that have happened over the years, but that's definitely one that stands out. And how does it make you feel personally when you're meeting these kids who were in care? Does it sort of remind you or take you back to your own experiences? Yeah, it definitely does. I, I, I see a younger self in some of the kids, you know, different behaviours and, you know, their interests. Like, you know, I was, I was a young sporty kid, played log rugby league. I'd say often at a time, you know, I was also inappropriate <laughs> and playful and fun and giggling and laughing. And you know, I see some of those kids have, have the same kind of personality trait. So I definitely see myself there. But I, I also try and put myself in their shoes as well. And that's why I think we have such a great team who do that as well in terms of creating really fun, engaging, but safe programs and activities. And I, I always also think how amazing would this have been if I was a young kid I would have loved to come to sessions like this. The kids absolutely love it. Like they, yes, I was saying about, you know, ID know yourself, become a part of that family. That's also including the other kids with each other. You know, the incredible relationships that these kids have established is phenomenal. You know, kids are, you know, staying in touch outside of the program, whether it be on Facebook or whatever. And, you know, they're communicating and it's kind of like, you know, some of the kids saying as well, oh, that's my brother or, you know, that's my best mate or that's that's really important because, you know, we've got our vision, we've got our vision, we've got our mission, we've got our values and our components and, you know, that's all great. If I was putting it in a sentence, it's, you know, we really want to create positive relationships in these kids' lives. And there's an old saying, the quality of your life can be determined upon the quality of your relationships. So... You know, that's what we want to create, really good relationships with each other between you know, the team and the kids and, and make sure it's enjoyable. But, yeah, it's really special. I, uh, I, it makes me feel incredible knowing that you know, we're playing such a small part that might make a huge difference in our kids' lives in the, in the short to, to long term. So rewarding, absolutely. Just gives back, I think, far more than what you're putting out, which is already a great deal. Now, I just want to ask finally, if you could give your younger self a piece of advice, what would it be? For my younger self, I would say, you know, you're enough, you matter, and that you are loved. And that that doesn't, you know, you don't have to do anything more that you're doing um, to be enough, that you're enough as you are. Um, You're not any less if things are taken away from you you know, keep going strong. It will get better. If I'd known that, I suppose everything would, would be, I'd say, a little bit easier uh, having that hope. But yeah, just stay strong and tomorrow will be better than today. So keep your head up. Isaiah, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you and get to get to meet you today. If people are interested in following your journey or finding out more about ID Know Yourself, what should they do? Where should they go? Absolutely. I would suggest people to, I would love to you know, hear from you. I think there's an old saying in life, if you want to go far in life, go alone. If you want to go far, walk together. We want to bring as many people as we possibly can on this journey with us. It's such a big vision and, and mission. You know, there's over 20,000 Aboriginal children in our home care in Australia. And so we need collective minds, spirits um, and energy of uh, people to join us on this mission. So, you know, reach out. You know, we've got Instagram, we post a lot, and sometimes the kids are actually taking those photos of the sessions, getting involved, really owning, you know, the imagery and, and what we do in the sessions. So, yeah, follow our, our journey on our social media. So we're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, um, pretty much, you know, most platforms, just ID you Know Yourself. You know, we've just got a new website just redeveloped. So 
It's uh, www.idknowyourself.org.au. Check that out. And also have a look on our website for some merch. We're always dropping stuff around Reconciliation Week and NADOC Week as well, depending on the theme. And, you know, it's all creative, fun stuff that we look to try and utilize some of the kids' artworks and stuff like that. So, and donate, you know, every every dollar goes towards our programs and, and support for our kids. And particularly at the moment where, you know, self-fundraising for our Concrete to Country cultural camps, so please get around that. That's all about helping our kids have that greater sense of belonging and spiritual connectedness to the country, people, mob and clan. So, you know, get around that. We're trying to fundraise as much as we can. So, you know, next couple of years, we can take these kids back onto their homeland. And as I was saying earlier, kind of take their shoes off, dig their, their feet into country and connect back up. So, yeah, please. Please uh, join us on the Mission Change. We, we couldn't do it without the incredible support that we have already and we're always welcoming you know, more people to join our family. That sounds great and uh, wish you all the very best in the future. It'd be great to check in again down the track and just see how things are going. Thank you. Thank you, Rebecca. It's been a pleasure yarning with you. If you liked this podcast and would like to hear more Remarkable stories, you can find and subscribe to the Remarkables podcast by Grant Thornton Australia on Apple Podcasts or Spotify.